There are so many great things that God's doing and we are gonna walk, jog, run, half marathon. Why? Because we wanna see more kids in Africa having clean water for the rest of their lives. Amen? And there's something we can do about it. So we're gonna take action in many different ways as God leads us. We like to abide and respond. And also right now, camp is happening. I have a picture to give you a glimpse. It's middle school camp in the snow. They have a lot of snow, a lot of fun, uh, safety, unity uh, so far and continue to pray both today and tomorrow as camp continues. We have over 65 middle school students. There are also a handful of high school students who really want to be there to serve, to lead worship and also lead games. And we love that connection. And over 25 adults from our church family that have taken their weekend to just pour into those relationships and serve the middle school students because we're multi-generational. We look out for one another and we're so grateful they've taken that time. Can we just, uh, yeah, thank God for what he's doing right now. And continue to pray for them that both middle school students would have a security in the love of God and also a courage to live for God in the culture as well. So we continue to lift them up in prayer. We are in a series right now talking about holy moments, how God intervenes and breaks through into our lives. And he does it in so many ways. And God's presence is what means the most to us in life. And sometimes we forget that. Holy moments bring us back to God. They are catalytic in our relationship with God. And so often they're linked to fasting. And it's our tradition as a church to step into a time of fasting. Congratulations, you made it through the first week. It's 21 days and two more weeks to go. And we're excited about what God's doing. And as you look at the Bible, fasting is there, Old Testament, New Testament. And with fasting, it's often an acceleration of the transformation that God wants to do in your life. It's an acceleration because we all wanna become more like Jesus and we need God's help and work. And when we fast, we really seek God and God goes deeper. Anyone that's sincere and looking to God, God will meet you there. And fasting is just one way to say, God, we are sincere. We wanna humble ourselves before you and we want your presence. And we've seen in this series, Isaiah talks about the difference between true fasting and false fasting. That's important. Then we've seen with Daniel how inspiring it is. Even though he's in Babylon in a very difficult situation, he continues to seek God and then how God shows up, holy moments and how God moves. Today, we're gonna be focusing on Jonah in part of his journey. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Jonah chapter one or just type in, J-O-N-A-H in your phone and you'll probably get there quicker. It's great that we dive into God's word together. And the theme today is you have my attention. That we could say that to God, God, you have my attention because that's what God is doing in Jonah's life and he's the same God then, same God today. And he stirs us and we come to him with our attention and our worship. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, your goodness. We thank you for your presence. And God, we pray, giving you thanks for the blessings in our lives, that you are our strength, God, when we are weak. God, you are the song in our lives when we have despair and discouragement. And you are the shield around us. The battle belongs to you. You protect us. God, we give you praise today. God, we wanna say that you have our attention. Come and do what only you can do in our lives and our church family right now. And we'll give you all the glory. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. What does it look like to return to God with all your heart and to give him your full attention? When you return to God, you return to his presence, also his purpose and his passion. 
I wanna say that again. When you return to God, you're returning to his presence, his purpose, and his passion. Jonah doesn't wanna do that. And we can relate to Jonah. God calls Jonah to Nineveh, which is east, and Jonah runs to the west. He's going in the exact opposite direction of what God is leading him to do. And all of us can relate because we all wrestle with God. And there's a wrestling where deep inside we want what we want. And I know what I want, and I know the timing, and I know what my agenda is. And God, that's what I really want more than what you want. And there's a wrestling that happens, and sometimes it happens for years and in different areas of our lives. And in that wrestling, we can relate to what Jonah's doing here because ultimately, Jonah, deep down, it's more about Jonah than it is about God. And if he was honest at the core, he just doesn't have a love for God, a trust for God. He just doesn't have attention for God. And he's running the direction that he wants to run. Well, as he runs that way, there's gonna be some experiences, some holy moments because God doesn't give up on us. He pursues us and God draws us back to him. And Jonah's on a path where he's more interested in personal than the spiritual. He's more interested in the cultural than the radical. He's more interested in being comfortable than really living for God. And all of us in this culture right now, we're at a crossroads. And because that's Jonah's posture, he doesn't care about and love people and really reach out and care about their souls like God does. He doesn't see people how God sees people because he's wrapped up in himself. Well, God wants to deliver us from being self-consumed and wrapped up in ourselves. And he's gonna speak to Jonah and he speaks to us. Now, Jonah's a book that has a lot of action in verse 15 in chapter one. Then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. In his rebellion, God provided two things for Jonah, a fish and a storm. The storm came first and then the fish. The storm Really, have you ever rebelled against God and then experienced a storm because of that? Not all storms are because of our rebellion, but some are. And this one clearly was. God sent this storm to get Jonah's attention. Jonah was on a boat going the wrong direction and Jonah started to realize it. Have you had those early moments where you start to realize and there's some healthy conviction like, God, I'm not in alignment with you. I know you don't want this, but I've been doing it anyways. And Jonah starts to feel that. And Jonah says, throw me over the ship. They throw him. And you know what? Before they throw him, the people, the crew on the boat are crying out to the false gods. Calm the storm, calm the storm. And the false gods can't calm the storm. But when Jonah gets thrown overboard, what happens? The God of the Bible, the real God, the only true God, he calms the storm. And the crew on the boat, they turn to God because they realize their false gods don't really have power. And so they turn to God and God starts to move in many ways at the same time. On the boat, they start to praise God. It was a storm that God calmed and now they're praising God and God is changing the hearts of the crew on board. 
But Jonah's heart hasn't changed yet, and that's why we have the fish. The fish represents an opportunity. God gives you opportunities to return to him. It's his grace. It's an extension of his kindness and patience to you. And Jonah, well, this fish comes along. It's not an accident or a coincidence. Well, Jonah gets swallowed by the fish, and now God has Jonah's attention. Sometimes it takes a lot to get our attention. It takes a storm or a fish and the grace of God to finally get our attention. Here's the truth. God has many ways of gaining your attention in a distracted culture. One of the things that distracts me sometimes is my phone. And when my phone isn't working right, I'm very distracted. So I went this week to Apple and then at the store, they said, sorry, you're gonna have to call our tech specialist because this is beyond the store. So then I was on the phone this week and as that all went down, I made a couple shifts. When you fast and pray and seek God, there's gonna be some shifts in your life. And I realized with my phone, you know, as we completely uh, restored it and I had to choose the apps that I wanted back on my phone, there were a lot of apps I didn't choose to return to my phone because I started to realize I don't need that app. I'm wasting a lot of time with that app. You know, that app actually doesn't do anything for me. My life's gonna be better without that app. So I started to remove some apps that were on my phone. I also turned off a lot of notifications. No offense if I don't return, respond to you as quickly, but I'm just telling you, I turned off those notifications. When you turn off notifications, you just feel like, oh, I can breathe. I can be a little more proactive instead of reactive. And I look at my screen time and I'm like, that screen time's going down. These are some shifts for me that are all very good. You are making some shifts during these three weeks of prayer and fasting that breathe life, that give margin, that help your relationship with God. And in the Bible, it says that the Sabbath, the rest, the day of rest and relaxation and refreshment, that's for us. We are not made for the Sabbath. And it was said because the Sabbath started to get twisted and tainted. The Sabbath has a great purpose, but it started to get weird and legalistic and competitive. And it was just the exact opposite of what a Sabbath is supposed to do. Well, again, Sabbath is for us. We are not made for Sabbath. And I was thinking this week, the internet is made for us. We are not made for the internet. Smartphones are to bolster and help us, but we are not made for smartphones. Social media is made for us to connect with people, to lead people to Jesus, to do all kinds of redemptive things, but we are not made for social media. And what can happen is the purpose of different things in our lives can get twisted and tainted and we suddenly realize this is off course. What do you want, God? And then it's time for a shift. And simplifying can be so good. Getting rid of some distractions, less options, less excuses, less rationalization, and ultimately less rebellion. And life becomes very simple for Jonah inside the fish, and now God has Jonah's attention. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which in this book of Jonah, some people are just naturally gonna think, did this really happen? Isn't this a fable? Isn't this made up? Like, there's no way that a fish came and then Jonah was inside the fish for three days. What is this? Well, first of all, the three days are part of a day, a full day, and part of a day. Just like Jesus died for our sins and he was buried for three days. Part of a day on Friday, full day Saturday, part of a day on Sunday. Okay, well, did it really happen? And there's a verse in the New Testament where God confirms and affirms the truth again that this is a real story. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. And we read, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart 
of the earth. Have you had truth that is part of your faith that you believe God for, and it's still truth. It'll never change as a fact, but sometimes the culture tries to undermine the truth of God. And when you tell people, you know, I believe that's a real story with Jonah. I believe he was inside of a fish. I believe Jonah's real, the fish is real, Nineveh's real. I believe the whole thing. They just look at you like, how crazy are you? Like you believe that book and sometimes you're gonna feel like you're out on a limb with your faith. You say, I believe Jesus died for our sins and he's risen and they're gonna just look at you like, come on, that's so ancient. Like this is 2023. And I'll tell you this, when you're out on a limb with your faith, you know what's great is when you're out on that limb and you look over and Jesus is right with you. Jesus is right with you. Because here in Matthew chapter 12, you say, Jonah's real. Am I out on a limb? And then God confirms it. Jesus says it. Yes, that really happened. And I don't know about you, but if me and Jesus are together, I don't need to take a survey. I don't need a popularity contest. If I'm with Jesus, I'm walking in the truth. This is not a made up story by any means. Well, sometimes we try to shrink who God is and what he can do. And we try to say, there's no way God could take a fish and then have Jonah inside the fish and then spit Jonah out onto dry land. There's no way. And I'll counter that by saying, that's actually really easy for God. That's not a stretch. He didn't lose any sleep. Like, oh, what am I gonna, how am I gonna get a fish over there? How is this gonna happen? I'm telling you, when you see God for who he is, there's no limits with God. And it's so simple. Just like you sat down in that chair, God just sat down with his plan and said, the fish goes getting Jonah right now. And then, yep, gonna spit him out onto dry ground. And we sometimes need to step back in these stories and instead of just doubts and skepticism, maybe the other way to go is just awe and wonder of who our God is, what he has done, what he's able to do and what he will do coming up. Let God be God as you read the Bible and in your life during the week. And only God could take a rebel in the middle of his rebellion, stop him in his tracks, humble him, take a crew that's worshiping false gods, turn them to the real God, and then protect this rebel, be gracious and patient with this rebel while his life realigns, while he realizes the goodness of God. And in the middle of all this, send him to dry land and oh, by the way, present this as a sign to all nations and generations that just as you've seen Jonah in the fish, yes, Jesus Christ will be in the grave and then he'll overcome death and God proclaims the gospel through this miracle. All at the same time. All at the same time. So Jonah's fasting inside the fish and it's a fast that Jonah didn't want. It's a fast Jonah doesn't like. It's a fast Jonah didn't see it coming. And for some of you, you're kind of fasting with us that way. Like, I didn't wanna do it. You know, I came to Grace in November. If I would have known in January, we were gonna be doing these three weeks of fasting, I would have gone to my community church down the block because I didn't see this coming, but I'm doing it because someone else wants me to do it. I'm doing it because my life group is all doing it together. So I'm just kind of fasting like Jonah didn't really wanna fast, but yes, it's a fast. Well, as Jonah's fasting, you know what's gonna increase in his life? Prayer is gonna increase. 
You know what else is gonna increase? He's gonna listen to God. When you fast, it opens the door. It quickens your spirit for more prayer, that you pour out your heart, not be stuck in prayer, for listening to God and listening to his word. And all of a sudden, prayer's gonna increase in Jonah's life. He's gonna be hearing God more. This is starting to increase in Jonah's life. Why? Because, yes, he's fasting. And in that context, God moves. For many of you during the fast, the part about the food is just one part. But the bigger part that's happening right now is what's happening in your prayer life. What's, what's happening right now, the, the habits you're cultivating, the, the extra time in your word. For some of you, like the block time, you, you're just literally pulling out your calendar and say, okay, time block, 30 minutes. That's for prayer. That's for time in God's word. And God is starting a new habit in your life as we start this year that's making room for God. And you know what's gonna happen at the end of the 21 days? Maybe you're gonna go back to your favorite dessert. I'm looking forward to going back to some foods. But you know what's gonna continue is this pattern because if you do it for 21 days, you're gonna get to the end of those 21 days and say, wait a second, why would I go back to the famine of God's word? Why would I go back to the prayerlessness that I had before this started? Like, I wanna keep going with God. What else does God have this year. And Jonah, as he starts to get more time alone with God, there's a closeness and a listening and a prayer that flows out of his life that wasn't there before. Fasting is an instrument that God uses. Well, Jonah prays and let's look at his prayer because there's more prayer happening with fasting as we start this year. Jonah's prayer in chapter two, verse one, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress... I called the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Oh, that's the story of so many of us. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. You ever felt that way? (laughs) Because God really gonna take me back? Am I always gonna be on the outside looking in? Is there any hope for me? Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. It's when we stop, when we slow down, when we're still, and sometimes even when we feel stuck, that God speaks to us that we hear God and start to talk with God. It's so often in the silence that God breaks through and gets our attention and he does what is redemptive. You can pray to God in any situation, condition, or location. You might think, well, I'm so deep in sin. It's the same sin. It's been there for years. There's been no breaking free. God will meet you and hear your cry in that today. And we worship a God who delivers And what's clear for Jonah as he's inside the fish, I've been doing it my way, my agenda, my effort. And I totally missed, God, what you wanted to do. I've been avoiding your truth. I've been procrastinating with your calling. And there's layers of excuses in my life, God. God, you have my attention right now. You have my full attention. And that's a holy moment. That's a powerful moment. It could be with you and God right now, today, right here. You're saying, God, you have my full attention. That's the point where Jonah was inside the fish. And that's so often the start of when God moves in a new way in our lives. Jonah says, I called and you listened. I sank down, but you brought my life up. 
I will look again to you. Look again to you. There are people throughout the Bible who are fasting, praying, and holy moments that happen. Nehemiah, there was an exile, and the people are now returning to their homeland. But as they look around, the city's in ruins. There's so much brokenness and relationships are broken and people have drifted so far from God. And sometimes when you look around in our nation, there's so much brokenness in relationships. There's so much brokenness spiritually. And Nehemiah saw this reality and this is his reaction. Nehemiah chapter one, verses three and four. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They are in great trouble and disgrace. I ask you, how many people today do you know that are in great trouble? The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When you hear news that's tragic, when you learn of situations that are heartbreaking. How are we going to respond together? And note what Nehemiah does in his land. He grieves, he mourns, he gets time alone with God. He takes some days to listen to God, to pray, to fast, to seek God. And then the turnaround comes first in Nehemiah's heart because God gives him a plan. God gives him a vision. And Nehemiah doesn't tell anyone. He's just been grieving, fasting, praying, and listening to God. And then God gives him a solution. God gives him a direction. And in his heart, Nehemiah says yes. Here's the sequence and how God moves. He starts with his people. And so often we want to go secondary to the nation or to the community or even to your family. But where he starts is in your heart, just like Nehemiah. And as we grieve and mourn and pour out our hearts to God, God will meet you there in a holy moment. And you fast and pray. God will give you direction. He'll give you courage. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you words to say, just like Nehemiah. It starts in our hearts. It starts in this room. What God is going to do in us precedes what God is gonna do through us. So we wanna give God our full attention like Nehemiah. I think of Dr. King and all we're remembering and celebrating the progress we've made as a nation towards equality and the long way we have to go. And Dr. King seeing what was needed in terms of tackling injustice, he went to prayer. Here's two of his prayers. Oh God, have mercy upon us. You see, what do we pray when we see rebellion in the land? This is our prayer. Oh God, have mercy upon us. Forgive us for what we could have been, but failed to be. Give us the intelligence to know your will. Give us the courage to do your will. Give us the devotion to love thy will. In the name and spirit of Jesus, we pray, amen. And this next prayer is for the church. We also pray for thy holy church universal that it may be so guided and governed by thy spirit that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. I believe Dr. King knows what we know, that the church in America is kind of like a sleeping giant. And if we get our hearts right with God, it's gonna play out in so much fruit in so many areas of our lives, but it's really gonna start with us. So we pray for each other, we build each other up, and we believe that God wants to do something fresh in our lives in 2023. God, you have my full attention. 
And this truth, listening to God usually involves slowing down because often we're going too fast with no margin, chasing the wrong things. So listening to God involves slowing down. Sincerity, not religion, not playing games with God, but we worship him in spirit and in truth. It's a sincere heart that God looks for. And also seeing what needs to change. God, what needs to change in my life, my schedule, my priorities, how I use my gifts, the vision you've given me. God, what needs to change? And then together, God, how can we be part of the solution instead of complaining? Well, Jonah's life is shifting. He's praying, he's listening, he's fasting, and he's gonna be part of the solution in Nineveh. In chapter two, verse seven, he continues in his prayer. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. That's a holy moment when a fish vomits a prophet onto the dry land. That's a holy vomit. That's something that Jonah's never gonna forget. And you know what else he won't forget is his story. This is how he shares his story. He says, those who cling to worthless idols. Jonah says, this is my story. Jonah's a rebel. And he's saying, I had so many idols in my life and my number one idol was me and my will and my comfortable and all of that. I was running after full steam, even though God, you were calling me in a different way, in a different direction. So he's saying, those who cling to worthless idols, you simply forfeit the grace that could be yours. You can't hold on to worthless idols and receive the grace and goodness of God in the same way. It blocks, it blocks the reception. So you need to set down. He said, I set down my idol. I was on the throne. I set that down and I received your grace. Salvation comes from the Lord. This is one rebel telling other rebels how to receive the goodness and grace of God. Say, you don't have, there's a better way. You don't have to cling to those idols. You can let go and receive from the Lord like you've never received before. You know, you have a story. You've rebelled in different ways. And as God heals you and builds you up, you're gonna be able to go back to other people who are doing that same stuff and say, let me save you some headaches. Let me save you some heartaches. There is a security and there is a love. There's a promise of God. There's the power of God, the presence of God in your life that you can have right now. God did it for me. He'll do it for you. Here's my story. Your story is too good for you to stuff and sit on and act like it's not attached to anyone else. No, Jonah, what God is doing for you right here in the fish, God is gonna do in Nineveh. So let's step up and be part of that story. See, Jonah's taken all of this in. He's celebrating. There's Thanksgiving. He's sharing the gospel. God got his attention. It leads to his devotion. Now he's gonna go to Nineveh. He's gonna step into that calling. And then it'll also include his affection. God, I wanna give you thanks. I wanna thank you for my journey and how you've changed my life. You see, attention, devotion, and affection. It's the same in our lives too. God not only calms the storm, provides the fish, provides safe transport and preserves Jonah's life, but he also gives Jonah another opportunity. 
aren't you grateful for God's grace that he's given us another opportunity that we are still alive, still gifted, still called. And 2023, we're gonna step into amazing works for the glory of God. And there's this sense through the fish of awe and wonder. And it's just like God to bring on wonder through the fish. Because when Jesus called the first disciples, they were like, we're professional fishermen. We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. Jesus, we know the bait, we know the boat, and we know where to drop it. We know this lake, we know the sea, we know the bodies of water around here. And when Jesus says, drop the nets right there, they don't want any part of it. But they drop the nets and they pull in a haul of fish that the boat can't even hold. And they are humbled and there's a sense of awe and wonder. And it continues after Jesus' death and resurrection. He's calling the disciples over again. What has he done? 153 fish. Again, a symbol of abundance that God knows their profession more than they know it. God knows your profession more than you know it. He knows your talents and abilities more than you know it. So don't play the game of God, I know it and this is what I'm doing with it. No, you free it up and you say, Jesus, if you say it, I'm in because I'm tired of doing everything my way and getting frustrated and sitting on the sidelines. Jesus, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. That's the deep transformation. God will use fish. God will, there's no limits how God's gonna speak to us. But first, he'll do it in your heart and in your mind and soul. And then it'll start to make an impact in the best way to the people around you. Don't skip over what God's doing in your life because that's where it starts, Jonah. That's where it starts, Nineveh second. And that's where he's going. He goes to Nineveh. Look at chapter three, verse five. And this is what happens when he arrives at Nineveh. He shares a message. You need to turn to God. He's direct, he's clear. And the people make this decision. Chapter three, verse five, the Ninevites believed God. Can I encourage you, don't decide for somebody if they're gonna believe God or not. Don't write somebody off. Don't say, well, I'm not gonna share it all because no one's gonna believe God. You know what? They were ready to believe God. And I wanna tell you, God has put people all around you where you live, work, learn, or play. It's your friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers. And here's the good news. God has already prepared their hearts. You see, God has already prepared hearts in Nineveh. And when Jonah brings the word, the people are gonna believe God. God has already prepared hearts. And when you just mention Jesus and you mention the word, they're gonna respond. The Ninevites believe God. So they declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. And when the news reached the king of Nineveh, and again, not the king, he'll never turn to God. What did he do? He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And he declared this to Nineveh, we're gonna fast and pray, all of us, including the animals. That's what the king said. And that got me thinking because as we fast and pray together to start this year, our dog Bella is not fasting at all. I mean, Bella's over there feasting and lots of food and scraps and extra gifts and throw Bella another chunk of bread. And Bella's just snacking all the time. And it just clicked for me as I was looking at this this week. It's like, should Bella be joining with us? Do you have any animals that need to fast with you? See, the king is so sincere. He's like, we gotta get right with God. So we need to fast and seek God, turn from our sins. And he declares that in the land. 
they choose to fast. Jonah, it was a little more mandatory, but it was connected. And now they're choosing to fast. They're choosing to turn to God. Here's the truth. Returning to God includes repenting from sins, receiving his grace and a renewed purpose. And it's been said many times, as you get closer to Christ's return, the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter and the grays disappear. What's the story and the direction? What's the spiritual temperature in your life? Jonah had no idea how it would play out in Nineveh, but you know what happened in Nineveh? 120,000 people turning to God. In Auburn, there's only 90,000, so that would be less of a transformation than Nineveh. What does God wanna do this year where we live? And attached to Jonah's yes, attached to Jonah giving God attention, We're changing many lives. And I guarantee you, when you give God your attention and it leads to devotion and affection, there's gonna be many, many changed lives locally and globally because God has given you so much. He's given you so much. So draw near to God and say yes to God and watch what God will do. You know, don't be full of discouragement and despair when things are difficult. In in the book of Joel, things were so challenging and there were locust invasion, and it just looked like things are never gonna turn around. And maybe you feel that way. You're giving up some hope these days. And then this is what God said in the book of Joel. Joel chapter one, verse 14. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. I would say that's what we're doing to start January. God so often says, do this, and then watch what I'll do. And then in Joel chapter two, verse 13, Rend your heart and not your garments. See, it's not about the outside. It's not about looking spiritual. It's not about letting everyone know you're fasting. That's not it. It's return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and relents from sending calamity. See, as you draw near to God, you can say that out loud. My God is gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. When you do this, God will do that. This That's doable. That, none of us could do it, but God will do it. You see, God calmed the storm that no one else could calm. Listen to God. When he says, do this, it's gonna so often be small, practical. It's gonna be a step that you can do. And it's linked to that, the movement that God wants to bring. Do this and trust God with that. And what we see here is God's heart, his kindness, his patience, you say, well, did it all end well with Jonah and in and, and Nineveh? And to be honest, because the Bible is real honest, it shows the words, Jonah still would struggle with his selfishness. He would go back to like, Lord, but I just want everything to be comfortable for me. And, and then he was like the complaining evangelist that brought, you know, saw 120,000 lives changed, but he didn't get all the comfort that he wanted. And, and he's kind of a complaining whining there. It's like, oh, okay, Jonah, let's just pamper you more. Let's pamper you more. And, and so that's a reality that, what does it tell us? Keep abiding with God after he d- brings the breakthrough. D- don't go back to the old selfish mode like before Jonah. And for the Ninevites, it's about 37 years later that they're actually gonna attack the Israelites. It's like they've received this blessing and now they're gonna get violent decades later and go back to their ruthless ways. So just because someone, it's about consistency more than intensity. And that consistency of learning how to abide with Jesus, learning how to abide with Jesus, not just Sunday morning, 
but now during the week as well. We learn these things. That's why it's important to spend time in the word. So how do we summarize and how do we wrap up? Well, you could say this. When you pray and fast with sincerity, God moves in three areas. First, your closeness with God. He's gonna deepen your relationship and strengthen that relationship with God. It might go deeper than it's ever been before. God will do that when we seek and pray and fast. The second thing is God's gonna work on your character and in love, there's gonna be a refining. He's gonna show you some things that might be selfish or don't line up with heaven, that don't that more cultural than biblical. He's gonna work on your character and make you more like Jesus because he loves you. And then third, your calling is gonna develop and flourish because God has called you and gifted you and given you resources. And what you're gonna see in terms of lives being transformed, it's so powerful and rich. You're gonna come alive. And these three things together, closeness with God, your character, your calling. See, some people are operating in their gifts, but they don't have the character. Or they're trying to do it away apart from being close with God, and then the house crumbles. So God has an order. It's relationship with him. It's your character and it's your calling. And that's what he's working on with Jonah. That's what he's doing with Nehemiah. That's what he's doing throughout the Bible. And that's why prayer and fasting accelerate it. And what he's revealing in the land at that time is he is the only true God. He is the only true God. And if you cling to false gods and idols, you're gonna forfeit the grace that could be yours. He's also like no other false god. He is holy and he is good and he is sovereign. He is powerful, that he stands alone and he deserves all the glory. And the king realizes this. The people in the boat are realizing this. And and I wanna close just highlighting this theme of giving God our attention, thinking about the burning bush. The burning bush is one of those holy moments in Moses' life. There was a calling on Moses' life to deliver from slavery. And when he was about 40, he was doing it his own way. He became violent and frustrated and killed an Egyptian. It was not what God wanted. And maybe you've had a journey with God where God called you, but then you just went sideways on something. And there was some stumbling that happened. Maybe there was a feeling of failure that happened. Well, here's the good news. Moses is still called. And he spends 40 years after that in what? The wilderness. He thinks God's given up on him and he's given up on the call. And do you know how many people the last three years have just drifted from the church and God and from the word and they've just gone independent and not the healthiest way. And that was Moses. He just went independent after that. But when he was about 80, God brought him to this bush that not only burned, but continued to burn. And it was a personal time to get his attention. It was so personal, God called his name Moses. And God revealed God's name, I am who I am. And it was so deep that it was part of the closeness with God and the character and the calling. And Moses was renewed and God wants to renew some callings this year and some people in this room right here. And if if you give him your attention, he's gonna restoke the fire. And then out of that, what happens? It starts with the attention. Now Moses returns and God has his attention. Now it leads to the devotion. He's gonna courageously go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He's not gonna back down to the culture. He's gonna walk in love and truth and he's gonna see the power of God. And not only that, but he's gonna have an affection for God. He's gonna wanna listen to God. He's gonna fast and pray for 40 days, 40 nights. He wants to to see God. He wants to know God. He wants to know God's word. He starts to pray, God, show us your glory. God, we just wanna see your glory. 
We, we've been just devouring all this stuff that doesn't nourish our souls, God, and we just wanna see your glory. Would you make that your prayer for the next two weeks with prayer and fasting? That God, we just wanna see your glory. We're just fed up with going halfway and the routines and what the culture offers. We wanna see, God, you, your presence, your glory, your glory, your glory, your glory. That's what we want, right? His glory. That's what we want. And so we take off the layers that have been hiding and suppressing that. And that's what fasting does. It just removes a lot of the layers so it can come back to God, you have my full attention. You've got my full attention and I'm listening. What's your next step? You know, at the end of the messages, we like to give some options and we give these because that's what's happening. At the end of the messages, people are taking next steps. I met with two people after the last service and walked them over, showed them the baptism. They wanna get baptized in two weeks. They wanna get baptized. What's your next step? Maybe you're not there yet with baptism, but you're ready to put your trust in Jesus today. I'm gonna give you an invitation right now because Jesus has already died for your sins. He's already risen from the grave and his promise is for you that you'll have peace with God, forgiveness of all your sins, eternal life, and it's a relationship no one can ever take away but you've got to make the decision. You don't earn it. It's not by being religious and performing. You're never going to be a hundred in holiness. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us sin, but that's why Jesus came and died in our place. So I'm going to ask you if you're ready today to raise your hand and you don't have to say or do anything. You just raise your hand right now and I want to pray for you and online as well. Simply raise your hand at home and go ahead and raise your hand right now if you're ready to follow Jesus for the first time. That's right. That's right. Let's pray together. God, you have our full attention. We thank you for, Lord, everyone who today wants to follow you, Jesus, in a first-time decision. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for everyone who's saying yes to baptism. God, we thank you for the calling in our lives, God, that yes, it's part of what's happening in this room right now, but it extends to the nations, God. Today, we're asking forgiveness for the distractions and excuses and rationalization. Lord, and we're saying you have our full attention right now. God, we wanna be close to you. We want you to do things in our character, God, that have been stuck for so long. We're praying for breakthrough, God. And God, in that calling, Jonah didn't wanna go to the Ninevites. He struggled to love them. And God, sometimes the people you've called us to, family, friends, and even other nations, sometimes we don't know them or we struggle to really love them. And God, we're relying on you today that you who began a good work, you're faithful to complete it. And I pray God for many who have been independent many who have been procrastinating, God, that there would be a sense of urgency to start this year, God. There would be a sense of refreshment. There would be the life that is truly life, God. That we would be all you've designed us to be individually and as a church family. And God, we thank you for the work you're doing in our souls today and what that's gonna look like as we glorify you together. First, do the work in us, God. First, do the work in us. You have our full attention and we'll trust you with the results. We pray in your name, Jesus, amen.